DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We've been talking today about how tomorrow is Utah Jazz Day on NBA TV and what games do you want to see. And, of course, we have no impact because they've already picked their games. They've got five of them, and they're going to air from uh, – 10 a.m. to like 8 p.m. They got a couple of shows mixed in that I think aren't jazz oriented, but basically they're going to have these five games, and so you can check them out. If you want the schedule, I tweeted it out. It's out there on David DJ James. You can go to NBA TV schedule, look it up for yourself if you want, and you can see the games. I don't know why they picked game three of the 97 NBA Finals. I thought they should have picked game four. I thought that was a more dramatic win for the jazz, but Whatever, that's where they went. They went with game three of that. And, of course, they've got Stockton shot, and they got the 93 NBA All-Star game with Stockton on MVPs. they got a couple of regular season games from back in the day as well. So you can check that out. All right, we're going to talk uh, basketball here with uh, Pace Mannion in a minute. Kalani Sataki, BYU football coach, is coming up at 9.30. Uh, PK, you heard him. Uh, he did a teleconference yesterday, and I know you listened into at least part of that, if not all of it. Uh, what was your big takeaway from that? Yeah, I listened to all of it. I was starving for news and something to do because I'm used to going to spring ball and then jazz games, and we don't have those. So I got on that entire thing, and I should have done it on my computer. I did it on my phone, and it was a little low, so I had to hold it real close to my face. And Kalani on the Zoom thing, you end up seeing the other guy, and he commented on how my nostrils were just overwhelming him at that time because I had it real close to my face so I could hear and uh, so he laughed about that. But just that, uh, you know, they're in a good position. And I, and I just wrote about this. Yach posted it and, uh, on 1280thezone.com. Uh, it'll be posted uh, over at KSL, too, about how they're returning two-thirds of their starters. So this is an upheaval time. But for them, it's not about install. It's about fine-tuning and they've got so many guys coming back who have playing experience that it bodes well for them. And I know they have, and we do this every year, oh, my gosh, all the P5s on their schedule, it's better. It's the best schedule ever. It seems like we've been saying that the last five years. It's like, uh, you know, last summer was the hottest summer ever. It seems like we hear that every year now. And same thing with BYU. Well, I think that in all the years that they've been there, Except remember that first year when it really wasn't any of their players. Obviously, it was mostly Broncos players. That this is their best season to go into a difficult schedule. And because they have so many guys with experience. And uh, correct me if, if I'm wrong, all they lost was uh, the running backs coach. Did they lose anybody else? And so the schemes and everything, there's a lot of continuity there. And I think that bodes well for them to have success going into the season. And probably, you know, because of the nature of their schedule, the difficult games that are stacked up to be more ready for that more difficult schedule early. As you know, their schedule is always funky. They play the best teams early, it seems. They got some good teams later, too. In November, off the top of my head, I know they go to Stanford and they got San Jose State coming in. Uh, I know, and I, I don't remember off the top of my head when they're playing Boise, but that's been a little later. So they might be the best equipped to handle all this chaos that is going on. Certainly better than they would have been maybe a year or two ago. All right, we will talk with Kalani Sataki coming up in the next segment. Right now, it's time to talk with Pace Mannion. Former Utah Jazz player, former Ute, former broadcaster. Pace, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. 
Uh, so I, I texted you to come on the show. <laughs> I said, hey, do you have a few minutes for us? No, I'm real busy. A bunch of laughing, <laughs> <laughs> crying emojis. Everyone's looking for a way to pass the time, and I wanted to get a tip from you, but apparently you don't have any. You're just sitting around bored no, I'm like I'm just really else. busy right now. I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's start with... Um, March Madness being canceled. You have great March Madness memories. I know you went to the Sweet 16 your senior year and uh, you know, played Thurl's team when they were on their run. Were you on a Sweet 16 your sophomore year as well? Right. Yeah, we got beat at uh, – that was our only home loss that year. We lost to North Carolina at home the year before Jordan got there. They had Worthy, Perkins, Al Wood, that group. Uh, beat us at home by five. So you know what all the kids gave up when March Madness got canceled, though. Yeah. No, it's uh, – you know, it was rough. We were we were in uh, in Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament, obviously, and had played one game. Nico had played Washington and, and beat them. And on the following morning is when all the news came in that everything was being canceled. They were getting ready to play USC. But yeah, it was it was devastating for I mean all those kids. You know, we had to live it with Nico, but you know, there's you know the seniors that were you know some of those kids on the Arizona team. It was the first time they were going to get to play in a in a tournament, some of the grad transfers, you know, a kid from Columbia and one from, well, Max Hazard already played the year before, but it would have been nice to get everybody that experience and, and uh, see how far you could have gone. So because of pace, you know, I got my Arizona connections. I follow what's going on there. And I saw that the Arizona Republic had did a story on your son had tweeted out about, uh, I think it was a tweet, some form of social media, about the situation going on in Italy. And obviously that's very close to your heart. I think you spent 14, 15 years there. Plus, you've got so much family there, extended family anyway. Uh, can you give us an update into how it's individually going for them and what's going on in that country? Well, you know, we've been watching it. When the news hit here about the virus, you know, they've been going through it for a while, and it's been it's been rough. You know, they're basically under martial law. They don't leave the house unless it's to go to a grocery store. Um, you have to have a basically like a note. You have to have a piece of paper allowing you to go, and you have to be in the area of your home. If you go somewhere else, you know, you can be arrested and fined. It's, uh, but they've had, you know, yesterday they had 743 deaths. So, it's uh, it's impacted everybody. Our family so far have been safe. Um, I had a friend of mine um, text me yesterday that he'd lost his close friend, one of my assistant coaches that I had for four years over there, who's now a head coach in, in Italy. But, you know, so it's affecting everybody. You know, you see Carl Anthony Towns' post today about his mom being put into a coma. I mean, it's just... It's, it doesn't matter who you are or, you know, how much money you have or, or where you live. It's it's affecting everybody out there. Nico, you know, he just wanted to get something out there because he felt like he'd just been watching all those kids at spring break um, in Florida playing. And he, to him, it was just a shock. You know, here we are trying to keep everybody safe. And, and that's when he posted what he posted, um, just for the awareness factor, hoping that, you know, his his generation would understand this is this is serious. And please take it serious because you're going to affect somebody. It might not be you, um, but you know you, read, you see Donovan Mitchell, who's doesn't have any symptoms at all, but carries the virus. And you know you take that home to somebody elderly or somebody with underlying conditions, and and you lose that person because you were you know not taking care of yourself. So 
that's one of the things Nico just wanted to get out there. I was, you know, he did that all on his own. I just happened to read it the, the day it got posted. So it was, uh, it was nice to see. So obviously he wants to stay in shape for whatever comes next. Uh, PK and I have been assuming for a long time the NBA draft is what comes next for Nico. I guess you can correct us if we're wrong. But how do you do all the stuff, you know, stay safe and yet still stay in shape and try to keep your skills as sharp as possible? Um, Nico's pretty lucky that way. We have a home that's, you know, a couple miles from ours. And the guy has a indoor gym with a weight room where – you know, it's him and his family, and he allows Nico and his trainer to come in and train. So uh, he's been lucky that way. I know not everybody has that. Um, and so he's he's getting his work in. He's preparing for what comes next, whether, the, you know, whether he goes to the draft or he decides to go back to Arizona. Um, but that's, you know, his hour and a half, two hours a day when he, you know, he gets to train and, and four days a week lift at the same place with his with his strength and conditioning coach. So he's, uh, you know, that's that's what he does. That's his his release and getting out of the house and and then it's home the rest of the day. And it's uh, it's tough, you know, it's tough. This is an intriguing time because kids make these decisions whether to go to college or continue to go to college or whether they put their name in the draft. And you're involved in this process. What goes into it in terms of getting all the information that you need to make the best decision possible for that given individual? Well, the first step, um, and I think most kids, you know, there are some kids that won't go through the full process because they're going to go no matter what. Um, But you have to submit a form um, from your coach and you get feedback from all 30 teams and it it gives you, you know, you're, you're projected as, you know, a 1 to 14, a 15 to 30, you know, 31 to 60, or you're not considered a draftable player. And if you do that, then you have an opportunity to come back to college. If you don't do that, then and you just declare for the draft and go through the process, you basically said, I'm leaving, I'm not coming back. So, you know, we we, we did the form, Sean Miller, um, you know, he, he submitted that for Nico. We haven't got that back yet. That should come back next week. Um, you know, we have a pretty good idea of what, you know, where his draft stock is right now. Um, just from, you know, feedback from NBA people and agents and, and those things. So Nico's going to weigh out what he feels is best for him. You know, you just the future is so uncertain. Everything's so fluid right now with the virus that, you're just trying to figure out what's going to happen and how are they going to do it. Obviously, there's not going to be. They don't think there'll be any. Um, there won't be an NBA combine. There won't be any workouts um, unless some of these people want to fly out to Arizona and you know and, and, and see a workout with Nico. Those things will could happen, um, but we just don't know right now. You know, maybe some streamed uh, workouts for NBA teams so they can see see an NBA workout and see what he's going through. Um, just to try and help his stock if, if, if that's what we think is necessary. But that's kind of the process right now. And then it's just up, I think it's up to every kid to decide, you know, do you want another year of college or do you think it's best to, you know, to make that jump? And, you know, I mean, obviously Nico's leaning towards going right now. Um, and if this passes and there will be a, you know, NBA season that finishes and, and a draft and all those things, then, you know, he's he's likely to do that. But until we have all the, 
all the facts in front of us and what's really going on, you know, that'll have to be a, put on hold for a lot of people. Okay, so how different is the process for someone who doesn't have a pro basketball player in the family? Because the generation of guys that you played with and against are now scouts, they're broadcasters, they're coaches, they're GMs, they're assistant GMs. Uh, it seems like you would have more information and Nico would have more information than the average potential first-round projected kid. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I have contacts that I can get you know, true and honest feedback from. Um, you know, the problem with most of these kids is they're being handled by not just their parents, but by a handler from an AAU team, a coach, uh, a guy who's trying to make money on the kid. And those things are, is when it gets tough. And that's why you see so many, even last year, I don't know how many kids, I think there were over 60, that put their name in the draft and get into drafted and give up, you know, college eligibility. Um, and so... I, I've been through it. I know, you know, you're right. I have a lot of contacts and, you know, obviously we're going through the agent process right now. So we have a, you know, we have calls set up every afternoon right now through this week and part of next week, um, talking to agents, um, letting them make their pitch, you know, to represent Nico, finding out who will be best and listening to what they say about the, you know, where do they see him going and what do they see? Now you got to be careful because obviously they're going to tell you everything you want to hear because they're trying to represent you and make some money. But for the most part, it's, uh, you know, most of those guys are pretty honest and, and, and understand that they're not dealing with, you know, I can get feedback from anywhere. So I don't, they don't usually, I don't think people are trying to take advantage of us like they would somebody else that hasn't been through this. You know, so that's a plus for Nico. Um, and just to keep him relaxed and calm through the process is the biggest thing. He's a pretty calm kid already, but, uh, you know, obviously there's there's stress and, and tough decisions to be made. And we'll just try to help him as much as we can and, and guide him like, you know, what we think is best for him. And that will be uh, – it, it's never easy. It, it's, it's always stressful for everybody involved. I find that fascinating, Pace, that you submit your name or your coach submits the name and then they give you feedback and you'll say you're going to be getting that in the next week or so in terms of you're going to be 1 through 10, 10 through 20, 10 for 30, whatever it might be. Uh, because we see the draft every year is crazy, and, and a kid like Jimmy Butler, just to use an example, goes at the end of the first round and ends up being an all-star, and Donovan Mitchell goes 12, and obviously if you redid that draft, he would go much higher, and there's been you know dozens and dozens of those examples. Who on the other side is doing that evaluation to tell you what you should be expected to be as far as where you're being selected in the first round? That form will go to every NBA team. And that every and you know every NBA team has their draft board, so they basically say this is where we have you on our board. Uh, so you'll get feedback from all thirty teams, saying this is where we see you. You're you know we see you as one to ten, we see you as you know uh, late lottery, we see you as uh, you know late first, um, we see you as not even being draftable. You know, one of the players from Arizona last year put his name in and, you know, told him he wouldn't be drafted, but he left his name in anyway and he wasn't drafted. Um, so it's, and, and everybody has to make that decision personally, but you're getting good, I mean, I think you're getting good feedback. I don't think any of those NBA teams are lying about that. Some, because that doesn't go to the public, it just goes back to the head coach at Arizona for Nico. And then, you know, so, jo, you know, Sean put it in for, you know, Nico and, and Josh Green and Zeke Naji because those three are all looking at their options and what they're going to do next year. And all three of them right now um, are projected as first-round picks. 
you know, anywhere from 10 to 30 if you look at the, the board. You know, and Nico's anywhere from 10 to 27 if you look at different mock drafts. I try not to look at those because those are just opinions from writers. Um, they, some of them might talk to some NBA people and, you know, you could talk to somebody that's really high on Josh Green and then talk to the, the next team that says, we don't even think he's going to be drafted in the second round. Or the same for Nico. You know, so it's those things are, are to me are especially right now with nothing no sports on TV nothing being played everybody's trying to you know get clicks and, and do what they do and I know it's tough on you guys because there's nothing you know you're, you're, you guys you don't have much to talk about right now so it makes it difficult but that's the process and I think it's a fair one and at least it gives you an idea of okay this is what the NBA is thinking about me as a player that I can go and, and I'm almost assured that I'm going to be at least a top 20 pick and, and those are things you you know, not, look, if you get drafted in the NBA, you're going to get an opportunity. You're going to get guaranteed money for a few years and get an opportunity to prove you can play, and that's really what you want. And so that's where you want to be. I think you want to be sure you're going there. And like you said, PK, you talk about guys getting drafted later, and it's what I tell Nico. I know your ego wants to tell you, I want to be in the top ten. I want to be drafted top ten. I want to be a lottery guy, whatever <laughs> it is. But in in the big, mm-hmm. big scheme, you know, does Donovan Mitchell become Donovan Mitchell if he doesn't go to Utah, does Devin Booker, who goes to pick after Donovan Mitchell, become who he is in another system? You know, so those are the things you look at because it's it's more about where you go than when you go. Uh, because you know, certain teams, there are certain fits I see for Nico that I think would be great spots for him because of how they play. You know, the systems they run. Those are, you know, better fits for Nico than other teams. But we don't have much control over that until draft day. If you don't want to go somewhere, you don't go. You know, you try to you try to blow that deal up, and that's happened in the past. It's, to me, it's very risky to do that. Um, but I know players here. Devin Booker did it. I think Utah wanted to draft him, and they didn't want to go there because they didn't feel there was enough time or minutes there because of all, everybody they had. So they pushed back on Utah and ended up going to Phoenix to draft the pick afterwards. And it all worked out for everybody. You guys got Donovan. He's a great player. They got Booker. He's a great player. And it worked out. I don't know how many times it does and doesn't work out, but that's just part of the game. Well, the only thing I would add to that, it doesn't matter when you go, is uh, unless you're projected to go high or you think you should go higher, because certainly Rudy Gobert wears number 27 for a reason. He's still upset about where he was drafted. I think Jimmy Butler's talked about how it still motivates him. Tom Bradley, or Tom Bradley, Tom Brady knows he went uh, 199th. Aaron Rodgers is still pissed about falling in the first round. So, you know, if you're looking for motivation, have a really talented player slip a little bit, and that'll get them all sorts of fired up for a long period of time. Well, and you got to remember, you know, you're talking about all these kids. I mean, if you ask Nico right now, who's the best point guard in the draft? In his mind, it's him. He believes he's the best point guard. He believes his future will be as good as anybody's, if not better than anybody's coming out this year. You know, and if you ask Cole Anthony or LaMelo or anybody, they'll tell you the same thing. But that's what makes all those kids great. So if they do get drafted later than they think they should, of course they're going to have that chip. Of course, they're, I don't think it changes how you work and what you do. Because I think all these kids, you don't get to where you are by not working. You know, these kids are all considered first-round draft picks because of the work they put in. And, and, and there's hours and hours and hours that nobody ever sees. So they're, they're all going to work. There's that extra chip. I mean, you listen to uh, Draymond Green. He can name all, I don't know how many, 30, 31 players, 32 players drafting from him. He can name them in order. And, of course, that chip's still there. And he's won rings, but he still remembers all those names. So I agree with you on that one. They'll, they'll remember it, but I don't think it's – and it might come 
I think the time they remembered is when they're playing that guy. You were drafted in front of me. I'm going to prove that I'm better than you. You know? So that's just part of because these guys are so good and their egos are so big. And, and, and you have to have a, you know, some type of ego and, and confidence to be able to, to have that, 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 that in you, I believe. I hear what you're saying, Pace, about remembering the names. I'm sure you've heard these names, Locke and Monson. Now, why do I bring that up, Pace? Why do I bring up those names? Because those were the two freaking names that DJ wanted before I got picked. They turned him down. He wanted two other guys, Pace, Locke and Monson, before he wanted me. So screw Carl Anthony and anybody else who thinks they're better than your kid. You know what I'm saying, Pace? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you seem to always have a chip on your shoulder too, PK. So you've worn it well. <laughs> you know, the thing about this pace—if we can ignore the other guy for a second—is that uh, normal circumstances, I would never tell anybody that. And the only person who could really back this up, if he still remembers, is Craig Hansen, because he was the only person in the room. And we were talking, and we blew through those two names in less than thirty seconds because neither one of them were available. But only because they weren't available. Right. And so they weren't available, and so we moved on. So right. it was PK, exactly, Pace. It was PK Thank you. pretty quickly. Thank you. And then, and Pace, this is a true story, probably less than six months in, possibly less than three months in, you know, you start to get a handle on your partner's personality, and he talked about things that motivated him and said, oh, well, I'm going to chum the waters with this little fact. And they throw it out there. 18 years later, it still works. This is beautiful. There you go. There you go. You know what buttons to push for sure. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. All right, Pace. Well, as always, we appreciate well, let me tell uh, you, Pace. If Cole Anthony goes ahead, no, wait, I'm not done. Done. Okay. Hold on. All right. I'm <laughs> not done. Cole Anthony goes. If Anthony goes ahead of your kid, that's all the ammunition. And at that point, I'm hoping that my guys down there, uh, downtown off of Washington, come to their senses, take the local kid, so he's playing for Monty next year. How about that, Pace? Well, it would save me a move, you know. So I'm, you know, I got a one in thirty chance of not having to sell my house. <laughs> no, we'll, 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 we'll see how that goes. But you know, we're just a hey, look. It's a blessing to be where he's at. You know, we're 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 excited for him, and and you know, if if it ends up being the Suns or you know or, or Utah, you know, I know Utah has got a, a late first round pick. I think they're right around twenty three or twenty four right now, projected to be. I know uh, Utah's a good system too for him, I think, and so we'll we'll see what plays out. Well, I know that uh, I have asked multiple NBA scouts about him, and one of them looked at me funny, and I said, uh, "You probably aren't aware of this, but I worked with his dad for five years in TV." He's like, "Ah," oh. I said, "I knew him. He's in the second grade. <laughs> I've never had this level of personal investment in an NBA draft pick before, so I'm really curious." And so he nodded, but I still have the feeling. You know how when people are telling you stuff, but you know there's another motivation. And, like, you know, somebody wants to tell me something, but at the same time, and I got the distinct feeling, and they never said this. I mean, I could could swear, you know. Swear, you know, in any court of law anywhere. They never said it, but the nonverbal communication I got when they were speaking was they thought there was a chance that Nico was going to slip, and they're hoping he does. Oh, yeah. Well, I think there's a, I think there's, you know, 
there's a lot of teams that, that, that hope some of the mock drafts are right that he drops down into the 20s, and and it could happen. You don't. I mean, we don't know. Um, I think the for a lot of kids, I think these that there won't be any pre-draft workouts. I think that hurts Nico because I think NBA you know GMs and owners and and coaches get to see him in person to see how athletic he is, to see how well he shoots the ball, to see how well he, you know what he does, and I just don't think those. I think that hurts him more than helps him. You know, and obviously. You know, you haven't seen too many, you know, redheaded point guards in the NBA. That's a pretty athletic spot you got to play, and, and there's always that doubt, you know. So he's got some things he's got to overcome, and so far he's done it, and I don't see any reason why he, he won't continue that path and, and prove some of the doubters wrong, but that's up to him. All right, we got to run here, but uh, hey, uh, on his more serious note, all the best to uh, Guy's family and all your friends over in Italy. Uh, PK and I have been talking about that. that. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks a thanks, lot, Pace. Guys. All right. All right. All right. There is Pace Mannion. His uh, his wife is from Italy, so that's uh, you know keep an eye on uh, how things are going for Gaia. All right, DJ and PK. We got to take a break. When we come back, Kalani Sataki, BYU football coach. Next, stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. NFL plans to stick with its original April 23rd to 25th schedule for this year's NFL Draft. A recommendation from the league's general manager subcommittee to Commissioner Roger Goodell on Tuesday that will be moved back due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but it appears they're going to stay on track. NFL is closing team facilities across the country at 6 p.m. local time tonight as they seek to put in protections to slow the spread of COVID-19. Rams CEO tweeting Tuesday that he'd read up to the top 10 Mean tweets regarding the new logo of the team's telethon to raise money for the United Way of Greater LA's Pandemic Relief Fund and the LA Regional Food Bank raised over $2 million. They exceeded $2 million by early evening, so he's reading the top 10 mean tweets about the new logo. It hasn't gone over well in LA. Mets ace Noah Syndergaard is going to have Tommy John surgery. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Syringa Network. Syringa Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. The ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. That's the sound of me. I think it was going after you. Whizzing down my leg <laughs> while singing the national anthem at a bees game, not a foot away from a bald eagle who did not like my bald. The shine came off the back of my head, and he was like, I've had it! It was kind of scary. For bald eagle, man, those claws got a hold of that dome, man. It'd yeah, I might. a tough fight, man. Uh, <laughs> I'd still take you in the battle, but you're not coming you out. You take of me it. over an eagle? I would never punch a bald oh. eagle. I'd go to prison. That eagle is actually pretty quick. In too. fact, by law, I think it's allowed to attack my dome. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by BYU football coach Kalani Sataki. Kalani, good morning. What's going on, gentlemen? How you doing? Well, you know, on the one hand, everything's going on. On the other hand, nothing's going on, but I don't need to explain that to you. You're living it just like the rest of us. 
I, I am curious as I talk to coaches these days because this is a time of year when you you know you've got uh, spring football going, or if you're a school that goes early, maybe you're wrapping spring football up and you're telling guys, hey, you got to go out and work on your own. And there's probably a lot of uh, parents of high school kids listening now, and those kids should be working out on their own. How do you do that now? Do it well and yet be safe given all the guidelines we're hearing. I think the line of communication is the most important thing. It's just uh, staying in touch with our guys, our position coaches, our staff, and then everyone being involved with each other as far as using texting and, and phone calls and Zoom and all these great uh, technology things that we have going on that can help us uh, connect with each other. And so that's been the, the one thing is keeping a daily contact with our players and and uh, just more than anything, just checking up on them. You know, I, I don't know if it's, it's really important for us to you know, get a checklist of things that they've done the entire day, but I think it's important for us to just let them know that we're there for them and at least we can be a constant part of their life as as far as keeping that communication open always. Speaking of Zoom, are you grateful we're not on Zoom and we're on radio so you don't have to see my nostrils? (laughs) That that was actually a fun part of it, man. It was really cool. I miss seeing all the media faces that that, that cover um, BYU football, and it was really nice to see everyone and and, and, and uh, kind of connect again. Even though it's through Zoom, we had to take our turns. Uh, you know, you work in the mic and and the mute button that some of us struggled with. But uh, your nostrils were really well groomed and 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 trimmed nicely, so uh, that wasn't even a problem for us. But you looked really comfortable on that, PK. <laughs> Yeah. Like I said before, you know you're a diva when you when you're 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 really uh, mindful of your own nostril hair length and and uh, the way it looks. So I'm I'm really impressed with uh, the upkeep that that PK has on his his own you know his own body, his, the manscaping that he does. <laughs> The best part was that for, you know, obviously this is for the media only, so there are a lot of people who didn't see it. So our producer, Jake Hatch, decided to grab a screenshot of it and put it up on social media so that everybody could enjoy it slash be horrified at the same time. (laughs) And I think everybody in the media knew what PK was trying to do. And, and, you know, it's it's really fun getting to know everybody in the media, but I think PK has that that personality that's genuine and real, and it didn't surprise anyone. But it was it was something that that I missed just having all the different personalities involved and in, in talking talking ball. And it was it was kind of a nice return to the to the norm for a little bit, you know. Even though it was a well, forty five minute session, it just whatever we can do to to, to keep working with um, people that promote sports within the state, especially that helps BYU and. Our, and our program, I, I'm always down for. So it was, it was nice to have that time together, and I'm excited to be on the radio with you guys this morning. So have you sent most of your so, pl- players back with their families? Yeah, well, we, we've uh, given the direction to try to do that. There's some that, that uh, uh, feel more comfortable here, and we've been able to take care of them. And uh, I think there's a, there's a high number of players that we have that are local that, that have gone, kind of gone between their – their apartment and their homes, and I think they're they're doing a good, great job practicing social distance. You, you know, just trying to find ways to keep their families safe, and uh, knowing that that uh, you know how this uh, how this this virus affects um, older people and affects the people that have respiratory problems. So I think our, our players are mindful of that, and I've been really impressed with their maturity and the way that they're handling themselves. And, and uh, between now and 
the end of the semester, I think we'll have more guys when their contracts runs out at their apartments and places that they stay that will try to make that transition. And um, some may stay here, we feel more comfortable here, though, the way that our school has been able to take care of them and, and all their needs, whether it's in the training room or academics or, um, you know, even, even with some food and then the things that they're able to, to get done here. So I think that we've given them the opportunity to do that and be comfortable and, and uh, let them kind of govern themselves from where they feel more, most, most, uh, most comfortable being taken care of. As you head into training camp, and hopefully that's in August when we get to that point, we'll find out. But as you approach that and the start of that, how will this no spring ball affect the quarterback competition? I don't know if it'll affect it that much. I mean, I think that it delays uh, some of the things that we were, you know, we were getting Baylor back. He's getting healthy again. And um, Jaron was starting to really come along. Zach was doing some great things. Um, starting to have do some things he just seems a lot more settled and 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 um, more comfortable in the scheme and and more connected with our players so it just seemed like you remember he had that injury last year so he had some time to uh, this is this is something that he and the year before it was a true freshman so it was nice for him to kind of be comfortable kind of going into spring with with a kind of a at his own pace and 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 uh, you know, we saw some huge improvements from all three of those guys in spring. But I, I, I think that once we get to the fall, we'll feel we kind of have an idea of where we're headed and, and the guys that we have that can help us win. And, and knowing uh, sometimes the way football works, if we feel comfortable with the depth that we have at that position and other positions as well. So uh, return missionaries coming back, some may be assigned somewhere else, but this is a lot of players all at once. Obviously, there's scholarship limitations. You can't take them all at once. You probably can't even take them all in January. You'll have another recruiting class, plus these kids coming in. How do you sort through all these kids in a competitive environment when other schools, whether it's uh, Big Sky, Mountain West, or Pac-12, other schools are bound to come calling? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just I was on the phone with a couple of uh, uh, return missionaries this morning, you know, and, and uh, I think that's the most important part is talking to them and their families about uh, where things sit right now. And, and, and you know, right now we, we don't have much to tell them, even with school, because, uh, you know, we had an announcement yesterday that spring semester um, here at BYU is going to be also uh, online and, and no classes on site of the campus. So, uh, knowing that, we we have to kind of work with these things case by case, and and uh, you know ask for their patience and understanding is what I was I mentioned yesterday. But that's something that that we have to uh, really work with, and and I think we have some really good families and, and great recruits that, and, and returning players that they understand what the situation, and uh, I and I know they want to get out there and be and be competitive and help us win again, and uh, we'll just have to kind of go through it day by day as as we work closer to. To the season. I know that last year there was a grad transfer that could have helped you, but he couldn't get into school. He went someplace else and had a big season. What's the status of being able to get grad transfers into BYU? Well, as it sits right now, you know, with DHC coming over and signing with us, that was a really cool um, chance for us to get a, a jump start on on it with with getting him into in the graduate program and. We had the biology department really working well with us in that, and and I think the earlier we get to know somebody in, in the admissions process, that's that's the obligation we have as coaches and as a, as a staff 
is to make sure that we search these uh, graduate transfers and and look at the transfer portal, see guys that fit our system and fit the school, you know, uh, off the field, the academics, and then definitely on the field. And and once we can get the the, the earlier, the better for us and put, put our, our admissions department in in a better situation. I think we were able to do that a lot earlier with uh, with DHC and and. Um, you know, if, if anyone comes along the way, it, it, they'd have to fit that, cri- that criteria. But also having a con- connection with the graduate department now that we, we know what, what each department's looking for and the timing of it all, I think it's important that we don't put them in, in, a, in, a, in a tough spot as well. So we have to do our part as a coaching staff, and, and we're able to do that with THC and, and keep working with it. And, and I think just letting everybody know that there's a standard here in the getting into school and then and you have to meet that standard when it comes to GPA and test scores and things like that. And they have to do their part. It's just not as easy as just saying, "Hey, let's we like you the way you play. Let's get you in." There's an ecclesiastical endorsement that needs to be taken care of as well. So, if we can get that done early as a coaching staff, then it makes it a lot easier on the admissions process, and and uh, then we can work together. And then we've done that so far this year. BYU football coach Kalani Sataki joining us here. So the uh, PK was making this point earlier that when you look at what you've got coming back with the coaching staff, the key players that are coming back both offensively and defensively, the fact you've got multiple quarterbacks who have won games uh, as a college coach, and not just your time as a head coach at BYU, but go back to the jobs you've held as a position coach and as a coordinator at various schools, this kind of continuity is pretty rare in college football, isn't it? You've, you really got something this year in that regard. Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that we have this uh, the continuity that you mentioned and the number of return players that are, and, and depth and, and, and guys that have played experienced time on the field and in games. And so we're in a really good situation now, and, and I feel comfortable with um, some of the things that we're doing as a team and as a program and having the one change, you know, being at the running back coaching job and, and – and, uh, what we did is, is uh, you know, Harvey's been in that room this entire time, the last two years with, with AJ. So that it seemed like an easy transition there, and and uh, things have been pretty smooth in keeping the staff here. You know, we've had some guys have had opportunities to go different places and have elected to stay here. And and I'm thankful that I have a, a you know a, an environment with our athletic director and and the rest of our our, our athletic department where we, uh, you know, our coaches feel really comfortable. The fact that the, the fans embrace them and they feel really comfortable being here as coaches. Um, half our staff aren't members of the church, but they promote uh, you know, Jesus Christ as, as our Savior and they promote the mission of the church and the school. And so it, it makes things a lot easier. And then looking at how happy the guys are here working and the type of athletes that they get to work with, I think it's been a really cool thing to see that happen in the last four years. But, uh, yeah, as, as long as we can keep things consistent and, and uh, keep working that way, I think we have a really good chance. Had some trouble last year, particularly as the season wore on with your field goal kicking. What's the competition going to look like with that position when we get to camp? Yeah, I mean, every position is always uh, up for grabs, and, and, and you know, the, the guys have to play it out, and, and, and the competition, I, I will play the best. And it doesn't matter if you're a scholarship guy or, or a freshman or a senior or a walk-on. Uh, the best deserve to play, and it's my job as a coach to put them in a position to compete. We feel really good with with the addition of um, Ryan Rico as a, as a, a punter and a place kicker that we've added as a return missionary, as as, as well as Jake Oldroyd being with his powerful leg, being able to punt and place kick. Those guys can do that. There's going to be a competition for both 
the place kicking job and the punting job and then so far what we saw in spring I, I think it's going to be a, a healthy competition and then it'll be something that will work well for us and then you know we'll add a couple guys that, that will kind of get into the mix as we get close to the season and close to fall camp. We've heard a little bit about uh, how much recruiting has changed now uh, because you can't f- send guys out on the road and guys aren't going to be able to fly all over the country and track guys down. And, you know, you recruit in Hawaii and Arizona and California and Texas, so you got guys going everywhere. How much do you think that this can be permanent, that people look at the amount of time and money and the cost on guys' personal lives doing this and say, hey, let's narrow the travel windows up and let's let the technology you were talking about earlier in this segment take over and we can talk to guys on Zoom and we can text and we can call and, and maybe that's the direction we ought to go permanently? Yeah, I think, that, I think that's something that you can evaluate. I think it would be helpful to have to use technology and not have the same kind of recruiting windows that – that we've had in the last 20 years because recruiting has changed with the addition of the, uh, you know, the film. I remember back in the day, guys making their own highlights off of VHS tapes and then uh, that turned into DVDs and now everything is online streaming and you can just get it in real time, you know. And so uh, there's not really the, the search of getting out there and finding the, the diamonds in the rough and then, you know, just leaving no stones unturned to type of deal. Now it's more... You know about everybody, and you actually know about them at a young age. And so uh, for us, it's more of a, we have a, a unique uh, recruiting pool and then trying to see how guys have improved from one year to the next. Because you guys remember as, as a sophomore in high school, the difference in the change that, that your body has gone through from that to your senior year. And uh, that happens a lot in, 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 the, in these young men. I mean, there's... There's some great athletes that all of a sudden go through this growth spurt of four or five inches and become a, a great prospect that in the past have been looked looked past looked over because uh, you, you don't anticipate that. But with the type of technology that we have now and the ability to talk to so many coaches and, and see so many get so many eyes on on on, um, on certain recruits, I, I think it's something that it makes evaluating a lot easier. And for us, it, it gets our our uh, early jump on people and see how they can progress throughout their time so you're right the recruiting thing probably needs to be evaluated a little bit and see if there's a way that we can use technology to help us and get our our hours to be more efficient as a, as a program and i'd be all for that so i'm wondering if you used any influence and got the athletic department to threaten chad lewis with his job if chad didn't get his son-in-law matt bushman to return <laughs> for another season <laughs> No, that listen. I'm gonna always want what's best for our players and uh, our, our athletic directors the same way. And everyone that that we work with, uh, you know, we it's our job just to educate uh, guys like Matt Bushman and Kyrus Tonga on the situation that they're in, and and from the feedback that we get from NFL scouts, and then let them make their decisions. And then it's their job to research and get other opinions as well. And and you know, looking at it, I think both of them had a future in the NFL, but I, I think both of them wanted, felt like there's something that they wanted to get done here, and they saw the opportunities that were going to happen from this year, so I, I, uh, I think that uh, Chad definitely was influential in helping mentor some of these young men, and, and it's not just his son-in-law, but it's other people that, I mean, we have a, a, an athletic department that, that has so many wonderful people to work with, and, and they're all always willing, whether it's coaches from other sports or the administrators in our athletic department that are helpful and a good number of them have played in the NFL and have had some great careers and 
in college football. So uh, using those guys as as mentors and getting advice from them is important. And it also, you know, it made it a lot easier because, you know, Chad is father-in-law of Matt Butchman. But I think the key with there was Emily and, and working with her. And her being an athlete herself, she, she understands the uh, – the grind of the NFL type of lifestyle because her dad went through it, and so I think it's something that they could have waited on. And there's some things that he wanted to get done this 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 season, and really looking forward to Matt doing some great things for us. But he's already done that as a as a leader in our program, and I'm just really proud to be his coach. Well, Kalani, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for uh, checking in with us here in the middle of everything. Appreciate you guys, and I don't know if you guys are like me, but I'm getting a lot of spring cleaning done early here, but. My kids reminded me, I don't know, why are we spending so much time cleaning the house when nobody gets to come over and visit anyway? So uh, <laughs> looks like we're going to play a little bit more here at, at, at the Sasaki Hall. Solid logic by your kids, by the way. I really like that. I'll be <laughs> I know. That. These kids are so smart. Back in my day, we just did what we were told. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks, Kalani. You. All right. There it is. Kalani Sataki, BYU football coach. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK is brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. How about that game last night against the Spurs? The Jazz come back in the fourth quarter. Donovan was unbelievable. And that buzzer beating three for the win. Wow. And I woke up. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. All right, PK, we're just about out of time. We went along with Kalani there, but I did want to share one here from Luca tweeting at us. He heard you talking about the name game earlier and couples with names and couples with famous names and all that. And he said, hey, my name's Luca, L-U-C-A. My ex-wife's name is Lucy, L-U-C-I. Luca Lucy, I like it. Yeah. You know anybody where the couples have had the same name? You know, you can have, you know, Tracy and Tracy or Pat and Pat or uh, there's a few others out there. Uh, yes, there's a picture they brought up uh, last year with the Diamondbacks. His first name was Taylor. Oh, Taylor. And yeah. he married a gal whose name was Taylor. So they end up then having the same name. On that note, we are out of here. Tony and Austin are coming up next. If you missed any of the show, check it out online, 1280thezone.com, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can check them out there. And a lot of links being tweeted out. Check it out online at at, uh, David DJ James on Twitter or 1280thezone.com.